And there she is. My secret's out. I love those kind of swings. <laughs> Blue I butterflies do. are your yeah. secret, or the yeah, swing? the swing, both. <laughs> both are, huh? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm I glad you can swing in. I love swinging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I noticed as you were swinging that way, the pitch went up, and that way the pitch <laughs> went down. It's yeah. pretty good, yeah. Well, it's good to have you here today. Glad you could make it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, so we're going to turn <laughs> some time over to you to go ahead and share whatever's on your mind. <laughs> you don't want to know what's on my mind. <laughs> you don't? No. Okay, delete that part. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have something on my mind. Remember we talked about inventioneering last time? Yes. And so I figured we would do an inventioneering project right off the get-go. Okay. So I have my inventioneering worksheet here. I hope you can see this. Does it come through pretty clear? Inventionary worksheet. And so first thing we got to do is put down the problem to be solved. Okay. <laughs> I am a problem. I know that. Can you solve me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was excited. Start over. I was very excited. <laughs> Delete that part, too. Okay, remember what we really wanted to do was we want to not have any more of this crazy pandemic stuff. We're done with it. We're right. finished. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was good that everybody got to experience that. Mm -hmm. we, we grew. We became better people. We're finished. We're done. Yeah. Okay. So the project is to make classrooms safer. Okay. So remember, when, when you're an inventioneer and you're going to create new technology, you have to figure out what is the problem that you're trying to solve. And in this particular case, uh, a lot of students got behind because they couldn't go to school. And uh, unfortunately, it wasn't for a day or a week. It was for an extended period of time. And then when students were able to return to school, a lot of them had to wear masks, which are kind of annoying. Mm. OK, they're very annoying. OK. For me, it was normal, because I am the mask man. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> Always wanted to say dun, dun, dun. Okay. So we talked about taking on the problem of doing something to contribute to make classrooms safer. And I want to go through this a little bit. I am so excited about the science fair results this year. Mm -hmm. I still have not heard who is going to win the telescope award. We're giving out a telescope this year, right? Mm -hmm. Along with the other yeah. prizes. And we're also uh, going to find out very soon who won the Navy Award. And actually, the Navy is in the process of judging, and they're going to come here when? Oh, Next wow. week, we're going to announce the Science Fair winners. So this is a must-see event if you participate in the Science Fair. And if you didn't, you really better see what you're missing out on, okay? They take it very seriously, yeah. don't they, the Navy? The Navy, yes. They're yeah. actually building a canal so they can come <laughs> steaming in on the <laughs> No, but they, really? they are that? coming next week, and we will find out who won the Navy medal, which is pretty exciting, really, isn't it? But the projects this year are so much more sophisticated 
and exciting. And I, I want to make sure everyone gets busy working on their project right now for next year. But science fairs are kind of like practice projects. And my science fair project, my last science fair project in high school was the hydrogen car, and it started my whole career. And I like to think that many of your projects will do that too. I could do an inventioneering project, and if I made something really useful, it could change the world, I could change the future. But with Science Live, what if we could inspire a million students to inventioner something exciting and better? I mean, we literally could give this planet a five-star rating, couldn't we, just, <laughs> I like that. just think what we could do. Let's do it. Yeah, it would be, it'd be really, really awesome. So the project was to figure out a way to slow down germs that sometimes become serious enough to create a pandemic and interfere with, with our lives, with our society, with our schooling. So we need to figure out a way to make a difference. So the problem is that germs are contagious. And so if someone has been infected with some kind of a pandemic germ and you get close to them, then you can pick it up. Wearing masks, we try to slow down the germs. Hopefully the mask can keep the germs out and we take them off and protect ourselves. Doesn't always work 100%, but even if we can slow it down, it makes a difference. One of the problems we had during the height of the pandemic is that our hospitals became very busy and we didn't have enough resource to take care of everybody. If we could slow down the rate of infection, then it takes the strain off the hospitals and we can kind of keep up. So the thing we want to do is stop the spread of the pandemic to slow it down. Now, we have germs all around us all the time. And I don't want to scare anybody. <laughs> I don't want to scare anybody. But, but there are germs everywhere. And our bodies have been equipped with amazing tools to fight germs. We, we call this set of tools our immune system. Mm -hmm. And the immune system takes care of, of bacteria and, and diseases all the time. The problem is when we get too many germs all at once and the immune system gets overloaded, overworked, and then we, we become sick with a particular disease or, or the flu or a cold or whatever the case may be. So we want to slow down the spread of these germs. That is our goal. As we start getting that in mind, it becomes a real problem when everybody comes together. If everybody stays home, which is kind of what we did during the pandemic, well then the germs have a hard time spreading because they've got to get from house to house to house. If everybody is crowded together in the same classroom, then it's easier. If we sneeze, if we breathe, if we cough, well then, of course, germs get spread and other people breathe them in. And so if it's the kind of, of germ that spreads through a, an airborne uh, infestation, then you've got a, a real problem. So our idea last time was to see if we could use the Acellus technology to be able to stop the spread of these germs. Now, some of you have seen an Acellus pod. The Cellus pod is a round table, 
almost round, a roundish table, okay, <laughs> that has a tower in the middle. Acellus pods are made by IST students, just so secrets out, okay? And they're made in a process that's giving them a lot of good experience in operating machinery and equipment and so forth. And it consists of, first of all, three legs that hold it up, and then a table. And the table we have to cut out to the fancy shape that we use. And then on top of the table, we put <clears throat> a graphic. And a graphic is a piece of, of white material that we print a beautiful design on, Nacellus design of various sorts, things to inspire students. Like in our STEM pods, we actually put things about robotics and programming, okay? And then on top of that, we set the tower, which is stamped out of metal. Um, I, I'd like to take you for a little trip down to one of the classrooms that has the Acellus pods in it so you can see them. It's better than talking about it, isn't it? It is. Would, yes. you, would you like to come? I would like to come. Well, unfortunately, I, I can't actually beam both of us there. <laughs> but really? I can beam me there. Yeah. I'll follow. I'll, well, you I'll can, use my own. You can watch it on okay, Science Live. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just, yeah. All right, so here we go. Two the STEM pods. Welcome to the Acellus classroom. This is one of the Acellus pods we're talking about. You notice the tower here, it has three sides so that three students can work at the same time. And you notice as you sit behind one side and you sneeze, <coughs> it's blocked by the unit and it doesn't go into the other student's face. Now on the new units we're going to have to build to solve this problem We'll put more vent holes here, and then inside the tower, we'll put the germicidal lights we've been talking about. They will create warmth, which will pull air in, heat rises, so the warm air will rise, and we'll put vent holes on the top, and it'll come out. And as the air goes through, the DNA will be resonated, and those germs will be <clears throat> killed. On top, we have the little dome, kind of colorful, isn't it? Well, the sensor is going to power the dome, and if the lights need maintenance, the dome will go red. So a teacher will be able to say, okay, you need to get the maintenance guy over here right away and get this thing fixed. There it is. We're back. We're back. That's neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, could you hear that okay? Uh-huh. I was reading your lips. <laughs> yeah, that's good, yeah. So that's what the pods look like. Now, how are we going to create germicidal light? Remember, germicidal light is light that is of a wavelength that's not visible, an ultraviolet wavelength. So we can't see germicidal light, but it happens to be the right frequency so that it resonates DNA and destroys it. It just makes them dance so fast they, they blow up. <laughs> how do you make a light of that frequency? And it turns out that it's pretty easy to make because what you do is you excite mercury atoms. A lot of the lights that people are used to seeing are fluorescent lights. Remember those tubes? Mm -hmm. Fluorescent tubes. And inside that tube, there are little drops. Sometimes you look on the very ends of it, you can see little drops of mercury. And the mercury vaporizes and then it gets excited by the electricity we run through the tube. And so the atoms 
become excited, which means the electrons get moved into outer shells. Remember, we've talked about this. Outer shells, because of higher energy, and when they decay back to their normal orbits, they give off energy, photons of light. And that light then comes out, and in a regular fluorescent tube, they have a fluorescent coating, which causes the light to turn into the color we like. We can't see ultraviolet, so it makes it visible light, and so they put the, the coating, the fluorescent coating on the inside, and then it gives off the white light. Well, <clears throat> I'd like to show you a germicidal bulb. Here's a picture of it. Can you see this? Mm -hmm. This looks a lot like a fluorescent tube. Now this one's about one foot long. So uh, you can see you hook up electricity both ends. And you notice this does not have the white coating like a regular fluorescent bulb. Because we don't want white light coming out, do we? We want to have light that's ultraviolet that we can't see. Now, to be able to solve the problem with these pods that we have, we have to do some inventioneering. And inventioneering is a process that involves learning some science and then putting the science to work to solve your problem. You've well, got to have a comment about that. Yeah, I like the way you said it that time. Thank you. <laughs> Putting the science to work to solve your problem. That, that's, yeah, I like solve that. solve my problem. Did I tell you about my problem that got ripped? No, okay. <laughs> and that's me. <laughs> that problem. I like one, being that problem. That's a big one. Okay. <laughs> that's huge. But at any rate, so what is the science and how can we apply the science? Well, here comes something very interesting. Ultraviolet rays, these invisible rays that kill bacteria, will not go through normal glass. They hit normal glass, it's just like it's an opaque wall. Just well be a sheet of steel because the waves hit the glass and they can't go through. And you know, in a way, that's probably a good thing because a fluorescent tube has those waves inside of it, but they can't get out because of the glass. They're trapped. So if we want a germicidal bulb, we can't make it out of glass. Can we look at that bulb again? Now, some of you probably thought that that was glass. Mm -hmm. Looks like glass, mm -hmm. but it's not. And the reason that it's not is because germicidal waves can't go through glass. But they can go through quartz, quartz glass. You say, well, that's glass. Yeah, well, it's quartz glass. And so as a result of that, if you put quartz glass around it, then the germicidal rate waves come out. So you need to do that. Now the problem is that these bulbs get tired and wear out. With an old-fashioned Edison light bulb that has a filament, the light gives off illumination until the filament burns out. When the filament burns out, the light goes off. These bulbs don't burn out like that. What they do is they start off just great, and then over time they get dimmer and dimmer mm. and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And pretty soon, they are so dim, they're not going to kill these bacteria and germs that are being treated inside of the tower. 
So we need a way to know when it's time to change the bulbs, when they need to be serviced. And you notice we have that little dome on top that I showed you. Well, we could have it light up red when it's time to fix the bulbs, and then the service guy can come in and go <laughs> And servicing is just like changing a light bulb. Of course, you want to do it with it off because the ultraviolet light, uh, you know, could really hurt, burn your skin, hurt your eyes. But we do it with the lights on, it's just change the light bulb and we're back in business. But how do we tell when the bulbs have diminished in intensity to the point they need to be changed? And of course, when I started working on this project, I thought, well, we'll just use a little photosensor. A photosensor is like a solar panel, only it's a little one. And it can sense light, like a solar panel senses the sun and creates electricity. Well, a little one does that too. And there are a lot of different kinds. And I tried every one I get my hands on. And whenever I put them in the presence of these ultraviolet waves, the waves ruin the sensor, usually in less than 10 minutes. So, you know, we tell the schools, we've got a great thing for you. It only works 10 minutes. <laughs> but those 10 minutes are glorious. You know? So we had to come up with a better solution. Now this is absolutely classical engineering because we're doing all the steps. I have brought here, <clears throat> some things can be a little hard to see, but can you see that I've got a piece of glass? I can see pretty good through it. Sharp edges. So if I had a germicidal light bulb and I were to shine it through this piece of glass, it wouldn't go through. This would block it. It would block out those rays that are ruining my photosensor. But I've got to have some way to be able to sense that it's working and how bright and how much intensity it has. And that's where these guys come in. Can you please pick a color? Could you please pick a color that still has ink? No. <laughs> <laughs> you give me a choice, I'm going to choose. <laughs> I'm now going into the art mode. Can you see that? Yeah, maybe we ought to get a good close-up on that. Let's recap. Okay. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I have a black light. Now, it's black light, meaning that the light that comes out of here, you can't see because it's ultraviolet. Now, it also gives off a little bit of blue light, but it's mainly a black light. You can't see it. This light will not kill germs. It's ultraviolet but it won't kill germs. But the ultraviolet I'm talking about will. How's that work? Well, this is barely ultraviolet. This, this frequency is so close to visible light you can almost see it, but not quite. Stuff I'm talking about is shortwave ultraviolet. It's more ultraviolet. It's a higher frequency, shorter wavelengths. And that's the kind that resonates the DNA. This won't. But one thing it will do is it'll let us experiment with ultraviolet light. And you can probably see it looks a little bluish. That's actually, the blue that you can see is actually the light that's coming off that's not ultraviolet because these LEDs aren't perfect. But most of the light is ultraviolet. Now, back to the hand experiment. Okay, so we got the hand there. What would happen if I apply ultraviolet light to this? Holy cow. Makes look the party at that. fun. Look at that. 
So you've all seen black lights. And as you know, if you have special paint, you can shine it on the black lights. Did you get to see it? Mm-hmm. Let, let's show it to Peje. It's pretty good. I like the color I chose. <laughs> well, I want you to know which hand I chose to put it on, because I was going to put it on your hand. <laughs> and then I thought, that would not be respectful, would it? You can put it on my hand. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't. I put it on mine. But notice that when the ultraviolet light hits it, it really irradiates. And why does it do that? Because these pens are made of the kind of paint that when ultraviolet light hits them, it pumps the electrons up to an outer orbital. And when they fall back down, they give off a distinctive color. OK? And the light coming off of this little patch, I'm shining ultraviolet on it, but I'm getting orange back. And if I were to have found someone that would have chose green, <laughs> hmm, then I would get green back. And that is because, let's turn that towards the camera. How's that? OK, the camera can't keep up. I'm way too fast. OK. You see it? Mm-hmm. Makes okay. it exciting. So it's coming off a different wavelength. But this is visible light coming off, even though it's invisible or ultraviolet light going in. So now what am I going to do? I'm going to ask you, if you'll very carefully hold up this piece of glass, but don't cut you, so hold it like that. So you won't it's mark me, but you'll put me with a sharp other glass. Like <laughs> no, put it over so you don't get cut. Don't get near the edges. It would be a tragedy to get hurt on Science Live, wouldn't it? OK, <laughs> so now. <laughs> The ultraviolet light shines on the surface, and then the light goes through the glass. Now, now think of this for a minute. In my sensor, I'm going to put the color on the glass, and then I put it so it's looking at the light bulb. The light bulb shines on it and makes it irradiate the visible light. The visible light will go through the glass, but the ultraviolet won't. And then I put my sensor behind the glass. And since the UV cannot go through the glass, my sensor is protected. And all I had to do was put this paint on the glass to make it glow. It's telling your secret, huh? The secret is out. <laughs> I just realized COVID that. What are we doing? Isn't it? No, it's a great idea. And it works. And it gives us a way to be able to monitor those lights. That simple little invention required that we know that UV light can't go through glass. But visible light can. It also required that we understand that there are certain paints that when they're irradiated by invisible UV light, they radiate off visible light, which could go through the glass. So my sensor can see how bright the light is without getting burnt out by the UV. And what is the result? Let's think of those little pods again. In fact, can we show a little bit of the video again without sound? We're just going to try to do lip reading. OK, sound off, I hope. Here comes sound. Okay. What's he saying? What's he saying? <laughs> OK. But you see those stands there. 
and you can see how a student would be able to work. See the little computer? That's a gold book computer. And by the way, the gold books are really excellent for doing a cellist. And you can sneeze on the stand. <laughs> and the germs get sucked up into that tower. And as they go up past the UV light source, the UV light kills the germs. And the air coming out the top is nice and clean and disinfected. So mission accomplished. Now, there's one more thing down here on our form. And it says, proof of concept, well, I actually built this and tested it, and it does work. And the sensor uh, works with no degradation. Of course, the sensor is not seeing any UV light. None comes through the glass, which is pretty neat. And, but the last thing is develop marketing plan. So now we have to figure out how we're going to be able to get these in now. I'd like to show you how you develop a marketing plan. This is sometimes the hardest part. And without further hesitation, I would now like to invite Dr. Marty to come up to the microphone. Here she comes. Let's hear it for Dr. Marty. And there she is. Now, this is completely unrehearsed, right? Oh, yes, completely. So unrehearsed. you didn't know you were going to do this? <laughs> Not so did, did you even get a hint? No. Why are you turning white? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know how many of you guys know Dr. Marty, but she's pretty amazing. And uh, she is one of the wonderful students that came to school at IST. And she decided she wanted to major in marketing, right? right? And when you came here, you were pretty technical. <laughs> I was not technical at all. Okay. Nope. But you wanted to get into technical marketing. That's correct. Is that right? That's right. And what is technical marketing? It's where you take a technology like the one you just described, and then you develop it into a marketing plan that's viable and real world. <laughs> okay, so we've now just described a new technology to you. Mm -hmm. How are you going to market it? Well, first we have to um, identify the market this is going to go to, and um, I think it'd be a great, um, a great um, solution for public schools. They really need something like this, and then you have to figure out, okay, so who at the public school is going to have the you know buying power and the right knowledge to bring this in and so you identify you probably want to talk to the superintendent so we identify who we're going to go after and as the inventioner i probably want to know who knows the superintendents <laughs> of all the districts and and who would that be right that would be um well i know some <laughs> <laughs> that would be you yeah. How fortuitous. <laughs> so uh, what exactly do you do? So um, <laughs> I work with a lot of the schools that use Acellus, and I get to help them really determine if it's going to be a program that's going to be suitable for their district, and then I help them get it. You're so modest. Have you been training <laughs> under Peje? Uh, you know, she's... Okay, so Dr. Peje Monet and Dr. Marty Ace are two graduates from IST. That's right. 
And Dr. AC has been through the marketing program, graduated, and then became the head of the marketing program. So all the schools that have a cellus have it because of you and your team, your wonderful team, right? That's right. So it's interesting that with this idea now, we need to find out whether or not this is something that would be beneficial to schools and whether or not it's something that they would get. That's correct. And so uh, a week ago, I talked to Dr. Marty about test marketing this idea with their schools and talking to them and, and see if they would be interested in something like this. Can we get a progress report on how you're doing so far? Absolutely. So, in fact, we had a call today with one of um, our big districts. I'm not going to disclose the name. Um, but they've Top been, secret. <laughs> they've been using SLS for years, and they've really seen it make a great impact. And when this idea was floated to them, um, they hadn't really even thought that this, you know, they'd never heard of this idea, but instantly um, came to mind the schools they'd want to put it in and the students they'd want to use it with. And it sounds like there's a lot of, um, a lot of applicability for this. It's a great idea. So it sounds like we have one positive response so right. far. And I had one other person test market it for us, and I'm getting positive feedback. So that looks encouraging. A lot of good ideas die when you find out nobody will buy it. That's right. Okay? <laughs> yeah, that's never good. It was like the guy that invented string bean necklaces. <laughs> Just think, screen, it's healthy, but Walmart said no one would buy it. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Marketing is a really important part of inventioneering. If you have a great idea and nobody is interested in it, then you really have nothing. Uh, one of the uh, graduates from our Institute of Science and Technology University was a student that came up with an idea of making a recipe book. And I said, a recipe book, you know, are you sure? And uh, he said, yes. Tell me more. He says, well, this isn't going to be just any recipe book. This is going to be a recipe book that you'll be able to put in how many people that you're cooking for, and it'll tell you all the portions for that size. Well, that's a good idea, but I'm not sure if that's enough to make it completely marketable. And he said, the other thing is, I'm going to put in one million and one recipes. <laughs> that would be a huge book. He says, no, I'm going to make an electronic one. And lo and behold, he did. He compiled recipes from everywhere. He searched all over the internet and found over a million recipes, put them in an electronic recipe book, and he sold it at Walmart as an electronic disc, a CD, and he sold literally hundreds of thousands of them. So a good idea. And it's interesting. If he had put 10 recipes, it would have never sold. If he would put 100, I don't think so. But people come by and they say, a million and one recipes? And it's all a good idea. Mm -hmm. So that's inventioneering. That's what it's all about. And inventioneers are going to be a very important key to what happens to the world in the future. And from now on, it's been determined scientifically that people are only going to live in the future. 
like that. You figured that out. I figured that out. Yeah, but it's it's a fact. It's a scientific fact. Therefore, we want to build the future that we want to live in. And the ideas that are going to come out of all of the students that have participated in Science Live are going to change this world. And I really, really, really think that's exciting. Science fairs are a wonderful way to practice your, your skill, to learn how to have this, this craft of, of inventioneering. And I'm going to encourage and talk about this throughout the year so that we really learn how to do it. Looking at the science fair projects has been a real eye-opener for me in, in two ways. First of all, I learned we have a lot of very creative talent. I think that uh, someone put the most creative people in the world on the, on the Acela system. At least so. we have very creative people. Mm -hmm. And the other one I learned is that some of the people could use a little bit of training on how to use their talents and their gifts. And that's what we've intended to do tonight. So think about it. Uh, will this happen? Will we really have Acela's pods that will help people make classrooms safer. And we will. Uh, we're, we're really determined. But there's another aspect to it, too. And maybe, maybe the biggest problem that we have right now with our schools nationwide is that so many students are way behind in their studies. Uh, teachers continue to, to try to teach from, from school to home, or from the teacher's home to the student's home. But even though the uh, tremendous effort was made, students fell further and further and further behind. And so now we have all the grades back one or two years behind where they should be. And so the Acellus Learning Accelerator could really help those students catch back up. Because we have observed that students on Acellus learn faster than they do in just a normal classroom. Acellus is a learning accelerator. Mm -hmm. And so by combining the learning accelerator, making it available to more schools, we have 6,700 schools using it today and would like to quadruple that number, which means we're going to start reaching uh, a large percent of the, the population with this program. So we're going to give them something that will help fight the germs and something that will help students automatically social distance, while at the same time we're going to give them a technology that will help students catch up. So there you go. Inventioneering mm -hmm. at work. Awesome. Now what do you want to say? I think it's wonderful. Um, one of the students wants to know how much it's going to cost to make one of those. I've got that all figured out. Mmm, how much will it cost? Well, we're going to have to buy the little legs. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, the little legs that we've been putting on the pods cost us $33 a piece, and where there's three of them. So we spent $100 on a pod for those legs. And I really worry about the schools being able to afford these. Mm -hmm. So we looked around and we found another supplier that said if we'd buy enough of them, you can make them for $16, and they're made out of stainless steel. 
And then we talked to another supplier and said, what if you make them out of mild still and we powder paint them? Hmm. And we got them down to $6. So now for three, it'd be wow. $18 instead of 100 And so cost is a big factor mm -hmm. and manufacturability. How are we going to be able to make enough? We have the punch machine, which we talked about, and I, I still intend to take us on a tour of, of the punch machine because it's so fun to watch. But we are now arm wrestling, negotiating with the people that make the laser cutter. Because if we can use the laser cutter to cut out the holes for that tower, we can greatly reduce the cost, the labor of manufacturing these. And then uh, we're taking a long shot. I don't know if this part's going to happen or not. After we get the metal cut out, then we have to bend it into the shape. And we bend them by hand. So we have a, a bender, <laughs> and we bolt it in place, and then we let up the handle and, and bend the angles that we need. But to make this many, wouldn't it be nice to have a robot bender? And we found a really neat robot bender. So wouldn't it be neat? We found a robot bender that has the laser cutter all in one machine. So you put the metal on, and you push the ready, set, go button. <laughs> and it cuts out the holes, and then it bends it into shape. And then all we have to do is send it in to be powder coated and, and shipped to the person. And powder paint is really neat. You know, uh, when you paint something, you just spray paint on it and let it dry. But powder painting is, is really neat because what you do with powder paint is you hook a wire onto the metal piece you're trying to paint, and then you shoot a powder at it that is charged. And the, the piece has a negative charge. The powder, you create a positive charge as it shoots out the nozzle. Positives attracted to the negative, so it goes over and sticks to the part. Yeah. And the thing I love about the powder painter is you shoot it at the front and you hit it in the back and the front because mm. the powder goes around and gets sucked in the back. So That's pfft, neat. it's neat. It's my kind of painting. <laughs> you know that paint by numbers we used to do? Yeah. Love those. I had a hard time staying in the lines. But this, I, I'm great. Just so when we look at the punch, we should look at the powder painter. That, too. Would, be, that would be Amazing good. technology. Yeah. And of course, when the powder's stuck to the part, if you just take your finger and wipe it off, mm -hmm. it comes off. So we take the part after it's got the powder on it perfect, and we wheel it into an oven, and we bake it. And it bakes the powder on, and it makes a better surface than if you use regular paint. So it's a powder cone. That's a technology we all ought to look at. Mm -hmm. And we got a new powder painter that I'm really proud of because our powder painter gun that used to spray the powder on has a tube going back to the big thing, the powder. It's got a little button, and you push the button, and it changes colors. It's neat. It blows That's out nice. one powder and puts the new color in. It's really neat. I was not shooting you, I was shooting over there. I was shooting at the clock I was getting ready to, to point to out that we're out of time. We are. Bad camera angle. I was shooting at the clock. I'm not offended. Why would the clock offend you? <laughs> all right, well, that's all the tech we have time for, right, Dr. John? We'll see you guys next time. Thank you.